Hey, I am excited about this new series of messages. Um, I, um, we're calling I'm In. We're kicking off um, uh, uh, right now our small groups, we're, um, our, our community groups as we call them. And I just wanted to give you a quick uh, heads up that next week we're going we're gonna to be actually giving you an opportunity. A lot of you signed up and sh- um, that you had interest in a, in a community group. And we're going to actually give you an opportunity next week to sign up for a community group. We're going to ask for your top two picks because we want to make sure to get everyone um, put in a good place. Right now we have four community groups identified that are launching. We're going to try by next week to have maybe six or seven that we will share with you. And there'll be pictures of those leaders, the nights that they'll be doing it on right now, just to give you a heads up. And, and just a thanks in advance, Terry and Shelby Thomas and Elliot and Taylor Sanders is, are going to be leading um, a community group, and that's going to be focused on our young adults, so think 18 to 30 range. Um, I still think of myself as a young adult. My kids will remind me of often that I'm not. Thank you for that honesty. <laughs> you know. um, uh, Josh and Diana, Jeffrey, Aubrey, and Brandon are going to be leading one. Dave and Audrey Rollins are going to be leading a, uh, a community group. Jim and Julie Garvin, Pastor Clark and Karen are going to be leading a community group. So we are super, super excited about that. And we want you to just begin to pray. Um, you know, there's something about as we continue to grow that we need to, you know, sometimes people like to come in church, sit in the back and not be noticed. But here's what's great. The Holy Spirit notices you and he wants you to be known. And, and I'm going to speak to that a little bit today, but in fact, a lot today, a lot over the next few weeks, but you are incredibly significant in the kingdom of God. However young you are, however old you are, <clears throat> how many demonstrative outward talents you may have, or how many demonstrative outward talents you may not have. You might feel like a, a flower on the wall and, and no one's ever noticed me. God created you significant in the kingdom of God, and he wants you to be known. And so I'm going to, I'll tell you, I'll just be honest with you. Um, they have all these kind of church metrics and all this kind of stuff, and that's all good. It helps you know what, what people need in a way. But here's the bottom line. We need community, don't we? We need to be connected. And so begin to pray that God would align you. We're not forcing it. There's no mandatory. You won't be looked down upon. There'll be no scarlet letter if you don't join a community group. But we want to encourage you to take advantage of this opportunity. Um, it's going to be great and um, to be known and to, to help others know you. So uh, you'll hear more about that for sure. Um, and uh, the timing is good because we just talked about forgotten virtues. How many of you guys remember the forgotten virtues? How many of you have forgotten the forgotten virtues? <laughs> well, I wisely wrote them down. Um, and so purity, honor, gratitude, loyalty, and integrity. We've been talking about these over the last five, six weeks, actually. We spent talking about those. Pastor Clark, Pastor Brandon, and myself preached on those. And I challenged you with something last week when we were talking about <clears throat> the... Uh, the uh, forgotten virtue of purity, and it's this, that whenever you feel tempted to do something, and I, I really, I, at the end of last week, I thought, man, I didn't make this point enough, so I want to take you, give you this one last point from last week is this, whenever you feel tempted to do something that you know is a sin, and we all know, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Is there anyone in this room that's never tempted to sin? All right, write a book so I can read it, all right? Um, Or put it in tablet form so I can ingest it. 
Whenever you feel tempted to do something that is a sin, remember this, it is out of the character of God. And so you know what it is? It's out of the character of you. Have you ever seen someone do something and, you know, and, and we've all done it, so we can, there's no one here that can point a finger. They've done something sinful. They've done whatever it is. Sometimes as parents, you can see it in your children. Sometimes children, you can see it in your parents, right? I have to regularly ask forgiveness of my children for things that I do, my wife, right? But you look at them, and it just strikes you, boy, that's so not them. You know what I mean? That's so out of their character. So tell yourself this. I can't do that. I won't do that because that's outside of the character of who I am. Because what God says about me is the old is gone and the new has come. And I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And, and where there was sin that, that was a scarlet, I have been washed white as snow. That's your new character. Praise God for a new character, amen? Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you. Woo! I, yeah, I got to tell you all, um, in, in a few weeks I'm going to be leading worship. Yeah, I asked, hey, let me lead worship time sometime. Um, Pastor Josh and um, all, all our pastor, our, our worship leaders can actually sing. I struggle with that. Um, but I get a little r- rowdy, and so if, if y'all aren't bouncing up and down, I'll make you do that, right? <laughs> and I'll make you sing louder than I do because it's better than listening to me sing. But I just wanted to do that. And so, man, this morning when we were singing, um, and this is no chastisement, it's just, Get ready, preparation. But um, man, you know, we need to jump and shout and sing and get excited about what God has done in our life. Because it's worth shouting about, amen? It's incredible because he's given us a new identity. And I love the fact that we ended that series of messages on the virtues, the forgotten virtues, because those things speak of the character of who who we are in Christ Jesus. But then we had our... our, um, our Identity in Christ Conference that Pastor Josh mentioned with uh, uh, Dr. Bob Smart, Reverend Bob Smart, and he talked about our identity in Christ. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about our identity, who we are, what we have created to be. And I love it, and we're going to kick it off today the way we we left it last week. So if you want to pull up that statement that I had you type in this morning, this is something that Pastor Smart had us, Pastor Bob had us recite, and he said, no matter what kind of great day you have, no matter how awesome you've done, no matter how successful you feel, at the end of the day, you come back to this, this confession. No matter how terrible your day was, no matter if you broke every forgotten virtue and and you lived a horrible day and you did terrible things, you come back to this statement. So I want us to start this morning. I want you to speak this over yourself this morning. We're going to kick off these next four weeks of identity speaking this, and we're going to speak this every week when we start, and you're going to get this inside your soul. You guys ready? Okay, look at this and speak it out loud and speak it over yourself. Believe this. I am pardoned of all my sins and accepted as righteous in his sight, but only for the righteousness of Christ, imputed to me and received by faith alone. Amen to that. That's who you are. Amen. And so we're going to be talking about some things that are fundamental to the character of being a Christian. And, and these are also four things over the next four weeks that are fundamental. It's the heartbeat of, of journey. And, and the four big themes are this. The number one thing that we're going to talk about today is I'm invited. Everyone say I'm invited. I am invited. You are invited into God's family. 
If you're not a believer today, you need to know that. But believers, we forget that. And you need to remember, you're invited into God's family. The second thing is, I'm invaluable. Someone say that. I'm invaluable. I'm invaluable to God's work. You all have a gift. You are all significant. Let me just say that again. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years. You need to know this. You are invaluable. You have a gift that is just as important today as it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. You matter in the kingdom of God. If you weren't here exercising your gift, we wouldn't become all that we need to become as a body of believers. You are invaluable. But Jason, I've sinned so terribly. (laughs) Welcome to the club. That's why Jesus died, and that's why he was born again, and that's why we have the gospel. Third thing, you're influential. Somebody say, I'm influential. You are influential, and that's good news that every single one of you, you are created by God to be the salt and light of the earth, like a city on a hill. You are called to be an influence and to influence others into the kingdom of God and to become all they can be in the kingdom of God. You're called to influence people that they are invited and that they are invaluable and to carry that. That thing. I'm influential. And the last one is this in this series. I'm invested. Everyone say it. I'm invested. I'm invested in the work of God. I'm invested, God, in whatever it is you want me to do with this life. And so today I want to talk about that whole notion of I'm invited. I'm invited. And God, we just pray over the next 30 minutes or so, God, that you would speak to us. Stir up our hearts, God. No matter where we're at in Christ, no matter what we've done, maybe you're not walking with Jesus, maybe you've walked with him for decades and decades and you still deal with this issue of, God, am I truly, am I truly even invited to your table? I pray that that all comes to an end and is decided today and not one person walk out of this place unstirred by the Spirit of God with a new call of the invitation of Jesus to be everything they've been called to be. Today, if you've ever wondered, am I invited? Today, that question is answered in your soul. And, and you will answer a resounding yes for the rest of your life. I speak that over you. By the grace of the Holy Spirit working in you. Not by my words. And not by enticing words of man's wisdom. But by the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit in your life. You will walk out of here today believing that. Amen. I receive that. It's a core theme of the gospel. Now, let me ask you this. I'm not a huge social media user, but I know a lot of you are. Some of you, so how many of you guys can't even spell Twitter, right? All right, I don't know what that means. It's a little bird icon. Some of you tweet like crazy. Some of you Instagram, some of you um, Facebook. Yeah, some of you are smiling, you, you get it. So let me ask, whether it's that or you just hear about something, how many of you have ever been in that position where you, you're flipping through Instagram, you're looking at some posts, um, and um, or whatever social media, or you're talking to some friends and you hear, but you come across the information that there was some event, some kind of by invitation event, and you you wonder why wasn't I invited to that? Can you can you connect with that? And you you all of a sudden feel like why was I left out? And there's real hurt with that, isn't there? Why wasn't I made? A, why didn't someone think? Of me to go there. It's amazing. I was at um, Hobby Lobby a few weeks ago, and I, I tried to find the picture of my phone, but I took a picture of all the books. You know how they sell the books, that, um, that final point of sale, you're waiting, and they've got Snickers bars, and 
you know, I'm just filling my pockets with them, and then I realize i got to pay for those. But they had the, this stack of Christian books right up front, and I love that about Hobby Lobby. But all of the titles blew my mind. Lisa Turkhurst, Uninvited, right? All of the titles, there were at least five books there, and each one had to do about being uninvited, overlooked, forgotten. And those are the, that's, that's a huge theme of Christian books today. Because this is so prevalent and we've all experienced that feeling of rejection in our life. I remember my brother Hans was, uh, and we feel it at church and we feel it at work. We feel it in society. We feel it at school. We feel it everywhere. Um, my brother Hans was new to uh, State Farm. By the way, State Farm, great company to work for. I love it, so I'm not slamming State Farm. It just this happened to happen there. He was new at, in his job. He was excited. It was his first big break. He you know, he opened up his credit union account at State Farm Credit Union, and he walked down to State Farm Credit Union, and, and uh, you know, he, wore the, he didn't have a lot of money at that point, so he, um, um, he, he was wearing what he could wear. He wore what he had to wear, the best he had to wear. And he, he's at State Farm. He's excited, trying to make a good impression. He walks up to the credit union, and one of our senior executives walks in, um, and this person is long since retired. I'm not going to tell you their name, but they walk in, um, highly influential uh, in, in the company. No, it wasn't Ed, all right. Ed would never do what I'm about to tell you. But he walks in, gets his thing, he stops. My brother Hans said he noticed him look at him. He just looks at him, kind of looks him up and down, stops, walks out. Hans thought, huh. So he finishes his getting his whatever he's doing there in the credit union, and he turns around, and this individual is standing right, you remember the story, don't you? And he looks at my brother. He came back five minutes later. And for the point of seeing my brother, he looks at him. Hans is wearing a cardigan, best he's got to wear. And, uh, you know, uh, and he grabs Hans by the cardigan, kind of shakes it. And he goes, what is, what is this? He goes, go home and change. This is not how we dress at State Farm. Now, uh, and walks out. Rejection. I remember the first time, by the way, this isn't a sob story for the Dom killers today. He got over it, okay? Um, but I remember the f- when, I, when I, some of you are familiar with my testimony. I gave up this job opportunity at News 25 in Peoria. It, it was my dream job, and I, I said no to that, and I, I felt very competent in that realm to go to something that I felt totally incompetent in, which was being a pastor. I didn't know anything about it. And I was still struggling with, oh my gosh, did I give up my dream to do this, and I, I'd really stepped out, and I remember going to my very first in, in-town pastor's breakfast, and there was a very highly, all the pastors of the town were there, we were doing this lunch, I guess it was a lunch, and I remember one of the big pastors at a big church in town came up to me, and I thought, and I was just shaking in my boots when I saw this, this guy, I had high respect for him, because I heard him preach, and I knew his reputation, and you know, I, I, I got nothing to wear, I got, I'm making a hundred bucks a week, right, <laughs> cleaning toilets half the time. And this guy comes up to me, and I shake my hand. I put my hand out to shake. He turns around, and he goes, where's your jacket and tie? He goes, because what you're wearing is not honoring to the Lord. It was the best I had to wear. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, whatever incompetence I had, or a lack of confidence I had at that moment was just exacerbated. You see, we don't know where people have been and what they've been through. We don't know the life that people are walking. 
And these are, Hans was a Christian, I was a Christian. I heard a story about a, a guy who, um, who was uh, um, preaching at a church, and a young lady um, called ahead of time, and they, they told the pastor, hey, he was a guest pastor, they said, hey, you got to preach really good, because we never get visitors here. And this person just called and said, hey, I'm visiting, can I get directions? And so this person came to the church, and everyone was waiting expectantly for this person to come. And she drove up in a beat-up car, and she was obviously, you know, had been, she was having a hard time in life. It was very easy to see. Dressed very, very um, kind of dirty clothes. And she came into the church, and she was met at the door by one of the deacons, and the deacon said, um, what you're wearing is not honoring to God. He goes, you should probably go home and change. Because we wear, we, we wear things that are respectful to God in the house of the Lord. Ouch. And so this lady turned around. How, how did she feel? Utterly rejected. Ran to her car. This guest speaker tried chasing after her. Couldn't get her back. See, we don't know what people go, go through. But, and, but this thing of uninvited, and you've got to remember the, the voice of the enemy to everyone is you don't matter. Jesus doesn't want you. Why would, a, why would God want you? Why would he care about you? When the reality is God Gave his very life, the life of his son, Jesus, for those very people. And I think for the greater sinners, which was the Christians who told him to leave. <laughs> but who are we going to be? What is our identity going to be? Now let me ask you just a very direct question. Has anyone in this room ever felt ashamed, unworthy, unwanted, uninvited? Ever? You can relate to this, can't you? So that's what we're coming against today. And I'm going to make a blunt statement that you are invited into the family of God because Jesus invites the people that other people reject. And that's who, I'm just going to tell you flat out, this is who we will be as a church. Actually, this is who we are as a church. But let's not get pious in that. (laughs) This is who, this is our identity. This is who God called us to be because that is who Jesus is. I remember a, when I was just starting up, um, Nancy and I were starting up college ministry at a church down the road um, 25 years ago or so. I remember, I, I just, I think I was getting a couple years into it, starting to get some confidence. And, um, and one of the deacons, one of the head deacons, actually a really nice guy that I still to this day respect greatly came up to me and, and um, He'd been, we were trying to build his college ministry, and he was always real standoffish to the college students, made him feel very uncomfortable when they'd come to church. And I got up the guts to say, hey, uh, I'll just call him Steve. I said, Steve, why, I, I've just noticed that you seem a little abrasive towards our college students. And he said, well, yes, I am. And I said, well, uh, is there a reason why? And he goes, yeah, college students are disruptive. And I, yeah, <laughs> and you're disrupting the Holy Spirit, Steve. <laughs> That's what I wanted to say. But I didn't have quite enough guts at that moment. But I, I said, uh, is there anything else? And he said, yes, they don't bring any money into the church. <clears throat> but let's get real here, guys. Let's get real that, that there, is, there is this tendency, maybe not so abrasively, but if someone doesn't, quite fit the image that I feel like they should have, 
we can, at, at the very least, maybe just not go up to them. But these are the people that Jesus made a beeline to and made sure to let them know they were invited. So let me talk to you just a little bit out of Luke chapter 7 this morning, if you're following along. And I want to give you a context of this gospel so you'll see what's going on here because Jesus very specifically addresses this issue of invitation into God's kingdom first and then invitation into the work of God that you have as a believer. So there's two things. One, I'm invited in and and many of us cross that road. Many of you have crossed that road. Some of you are not believers here today and I'm telling you, you're invited in and it's a good kingdom to be a part of regardless of what bad experience you've had. But then believers need to get their eyes around this too and their heart around this too, that I am invited to the table of God to do his work and not just eat the scraps. So 2,000 years ago, Jesus is walking on the earth. I'm just going to fly through some of this stuff. He claimed to be God. People didn't know, is he God? Is he crazy? Um, you know, is he really the son of the living God? And they're, they're watching them, him. They're adjudicating him. They're, they're forming opinions of him. But a lot of people thought, well, if Jesus is truly the son of God, then he's probably going to really like the Pharisees, right? Because the Pharisees were all they knew of the people that were connected to God. And they were pious. They um, put on a good outward show. They looked religious. They wouldn't hang around with sinners. They had all these tassels, you know, all these fancy things. They seemed to know. They were very impressive in their biblical or at least their um, scriptural knowledge. And and for sure, they, they knew that no one like Jesus, if he really is the son of God, would ever be around impure people. Because that's the model that they had set for them. You follow me? That's what the Pharisees wouldn't hang out with the bad guys, who they, who they would call sinners, when in reality they were the bad, bad guys. So in Luke chapter 7, this guy named Simon, who's a Pharisee, decides to throw a party. And these parties are a lot different um, in those days than they are now. A Pharisee party would be, basically be this. The Pharisees would get together all their, the most influential other Pharisees they could get at the table, and maybe some non-Pharisees, some high-up people in the Jewish community in that area, and they would have their meeting, their party, in the outer room of their house. Very traditional. And that outer room was up against the windows, so there's a lot of windows that, that people could see inside, and there was a porch around the, those windows in that outer room. And back then, they didn't have Netflix. They didn't have binge-watching. They didn't have all that kind of stuff. I know, shocker, right? And, and so, that, so it was kind of entertainment for people to come, and the Pharisees knew this, so people would come, and they would listen to the Pharisees, and they would try to just gaze their eyes upon these really influential people. And so it was very customary that people would just gather. If anyone's seen the series Chosen, The Chosen, it's really good. It's on VidAngel. I highly recommend it. But they, they show a scene like that where the Pharisees are all talking with Jesus, and everyone comes in. They're, they just stack outside the windows, and they just stare in. They get in rooftops, wherever they can listen to them go on and on and on about these impressive spiritual things, and people would listen. So Jesus got invited to this party in Luke chapter 7, and he comes, and he's engaged in this conversation with the Pharisees, who are trying to really feel him out and figure out who he is. And then this shocking moment happens where this woman, who is completely uninvited to the party, walks in, and it's the most shocking experience that most of these pious Pharisees have ever had, And they hated every moment of it. And Luke tells us in Luke chapter 7, verse 37, he says, I'll paraphrase, but it says, um, a woman in that town who had a sinful life, and that's code language for prostitute, by the way. Okay, she was a prostitute. 
um, walked in to the room, and, um, and she came up to the very spot that Jesus was eating with the Pharisees at, and she came in there with this alabaster jar of perfume, and some of you are going to tune out and say, oh, okay, this is an alabaster jar of perfume talk. I've heard this a thousand times. Listen in. Stick with me on this. Get, get something out of this. So get the picture here. The Pharisees are sitting in the outer room. They're talking about their stuff. They're impressing everyone there. Suddenly, this call girl walks into the party. The Pharisees go gas. They're beside themselves. They think this isn't right. She's impure. She's unclean. We would never invite her. I hope no one thinks I invited her to this place. We don't hang around these people. She's unworthy. She's not invited. And I want you to just take a moment. Because I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know if I ever have done this, honestly. I always stopped it. She's a prostitute. But be creative with me just for a minute. What I'm going to share with you, I can't show you in Scripture. But, but I can reasonably say that these things may have happened in her life. One thing I can say with absolute certainty, this woman who is a prostitute that found herself running to the feet of Jesus in this outer room among all these Pharisees who hated her, this woman, I can say with almost an, uns- an unshakable, no shadow of doubt, never intended to be in that life position. This was not her dream as a little girl to do these things and grow up and be a prostitute one day. So the question is, if she didn't want that, how did she end up in that position? How did she get where she could have gotten into this shameful, dark degrading lifestyle. Lots of things could have happened in this young lady's life. When someone goes astray like this, even in modern times, we, we know there's, there's factors that can influence that. Maybe she had a very distant father. You know, this is why men, we're having this men's breakfast next week, come. You know what um, Paul Phillips is speaking on men? I, um, Bill and I were talking about this morning. Proverbs 2 and Proverbs 3, he's going to be speaking on the son who listens. The son who listens to their engaged father. Why are we doing that, men? Because first of all, we want to be engaged, son. We're, Bill and I were joking around a little bit. We said, oh, I wish I'd heard that 40 years ago, right? We say that tongue in cheek. But, but men, let me just say this. We need men in this room that are speaking into their children's lives. Into their daughter's lives. And you, by the way, you don't have to be perfect to do it. You just have to be willing. I don't have anything to say. Some of you, you get afraid on that two-hour car ride. What on earth am I going to talk about, right? Pray that God fill that conversation. Be the father who talks for the son who listens. And men, be there next week. By the way, Jason Rambeck, side note, is getting some men together, and they are actually going to make pancakes and bacon down in the basement. Can any, All the men are like, well, I'm going. <laughs> I felt Jesus in that statement, right? So it's the real deal. Last time we were a little sparse, weren't we, men? It's like we had a whole bunch of men looking around, you know, a half a bagel and an uneaten cream cheese and like some kind of weird fruit, and we really didn't know what it was. But we made it, right, guys? Not so this week. Bring a side, bring something on the side, but okay, we get it. We'll, we'll make the stuff. But we need that, and this girl maybe didn't have an involved father who protected her from wrong influences, uh, b- bad influences in her life. She obviously made bad decisions, right, to get to that spot in her life. Maybe her dad wasn't involved, but he was abusive to her. 
Maybe he took advantage of her physically. You'd be shocked to know the statistics on how often that happens, even in Christian circles. It's, it's, it's unparalleled at this time. Maybe she was confused. Maybe she had a deep sense of shame, even guilt, even though it wasn't her fault. Maybe it attacked the security of her identity, and so she began, like we do, that happens in modern times, she started looking for love in, in too many men's arms in the wrong way for affirmation that she never got. Maybe her parents were killed. Maybe she had to take care of her, her young siblings. Maybe she didn't have any money because oh, what's a 15-year-old girl going to do to make money in that day and age? And maybe she came to a point for whatever reason that this young, precious daughter of the one true living God had to make life choices that maybe were the wrong ones, but to feed her family, to feed herself, or for whatever reason, she got into a lifestyle, a trap that she could not get out of. And imagine how it was with her as she walked through every day, despised by the Pharisees who represented the true living God at that time, and despised by all the women who looked down on her life, and abused by all the men. Not one person protecting this daughter, this young girl who never meant to become what she wanted. No matter how hard she would try, she would never feel invited to anywhere safe. She would never feel invited or a part of anything that really mattered. She was an object. And that's all society said she was. And so what I do know is that some of you may be dealing with that. Some of you, actually, that might be some of your background. Some of you can relate to that more than more than you've even maybe thought of. But what I do know is that many of us can feel not good enough, guilty for the life we lived. <laughs> I, I will admit this, there are things in my life I, that I've said, I've prayed this prayer before in my own life. I said, God, would you send me back in time? You guys are like, that's really weird. No, I've actually, God, would you just send me back because I'll get it right this time. I'll do that situation right. You know, some of you know what I'm talking about. God, you can do all things. Can't you just do that? Because I'll, I'll do it better this time. Some of you, um, and, and by the way, none of these things are judgments. It's just the reality of life. Some of you didn't think you'd be divorced. That wasn't your plan going into that marriage. Some of you are filed for bankruptcy, which doesn't mean you've sinned. It just means you're in a place where you never thought you'd be. You're not in contact with one of your children. You're not in contact with your parents. One of your greatest relationships ever is broken, and there's incredible offense and bitterness between you. This young girl felt uninvited, so what does she do? She runs into this place. Now, if you read all Luke chapter 7, you'll find out that there's probably a reason why she went there. What happened that drew her in? If you look in Luke chapter 7, there's a whole bunch of miracles that Jesus did that day. One of my favorite miracles that he did that day was he healed a Roman centurion's servant. And by the way, the Jews hated the Romans, couldn't stand them. And one Roman centurion blew Jesus away when he said, if you just, you don't even have to come to my house because I am not worthy as a Roman centurion because he knew that he was despised by the Jews. Said, I'm not worthy to have you even come to my house. But if you just say she's healed, then she'll be healed. And Jesus was amazed and he said, in all of Israel, I've not seen much, this much faith. And by the time the Jews, who the Romans sent to go tell them about that, the Jewish leaders who, who the Roman soldiers sent to they get back, the, the, the servant's healed. And it spreads like wildfire. If you look in scripture, 
There's another parallel passage of scripture in Mark that talks about this same story. And, and Jesus makes basically a, a little speech in that story. And, and in that story, he makes it, it clear that there's a message that he wants everyone to know. And that message is this, you're invited. I believe it's Mark chapter 12, parallel story. And what he does, he says, you're invited into the kingdom of God. And I believe that this prostitute, this young lady, heard the rumors on the street. She'd seen the miracles. She'd seen the righteousness. And she heard the message that all are invited. So she found out where this man Jesus was. And she said, I have nothing left to lose. And so what does she do? She rushes in to that room, dashes straight to Jesus, falls to her knees in in an attitude of worship. She breaks open this jar of perfume and pours it on Jesus' feet. And why was that so significant? Significant in many ways that we don't have time to speak about today. But for her, that was huge in a a couple ways. One, it was her most valuable possession. It was worth about a year's worth of wages. And you said, well, why couldn't she have used that another way? Well, because of this, because who's going to buy it from her? She probably had to hide it all the time. And by wearing that perfume, number two, so it was her ultimate possession, number one, that's why it was significant. Number two, that perfume on her, you see, the average Jewish woman couldn't afford what she had. It's an odd juxtaposition, but you just got to kind of go with it. And so that perfume that she would put on was her calling card. So you know what that represented? The only future she knew, as terrible as it was. So she couldn't give it up. So when she came to Jesus in this ultimate act of worship, she pours it out. She simultaneously, extravagantly worships Jesus and at the same time symbolically repents of her old life by doing this, pouring out her entire future and any remaining hope she has on the feet of Jesus. And then she washes his feet with her hair in tears. And that's even a big taboo. You don't take down your hair. Jewish women, proper Jewish women wouldn't take down their hair in that situation. And so she's in that moment, she's crying, she's saying, God, I'm giving you all that I have to offer. And verse 38, as she's standing behind Jesus at his feet weeping, she wipes her hair with, um, her, his feet with her hair. And the, 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 verse 39, the Pharisees are going nuts. They're beside himself. And, and Simon thinks he's smart. And he says, he says this in his own mind. He says, you know what? If he were truly a prophet of God, he would know the woman that's doing this to him. And I love Jesus because he's like, I would never say Jesus gets cocky because cockiness is a sin, but I'd say he got kind of a smirk on his face. (laughs) And he got into Simon's head, literally, and knew exactly what he was speaking. And Jesus goes and he turns to Simon, who thinks now that Jesus is not the son of God because he would have known what he's doing. And he turns towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman, Simon? I came into your house and you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Simon, you didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. And Simon, you didn't put oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. And therefore, Simon, I tell you, yes, she is a sinner. I understand what she's done. But Simon, I'm going to tell you one other thing. Her many sins have been forgiven. And whoever forgives a little loves little. That's a shot at Simon and all those Pharisees in that room. He's saying, you better be careful, guys. You better be careful. And she looks at her and says, daughter, your sins are forgiven. 
you're new, you're washed white as snow. I need to stop there and say, listen, whatever you have done, Christian, non-Christian, when you give your life to Jesus, you are forgiven fully and completely. You are invited. Your life is not so screwed up that he can't do something about it. He can fix your life. He will fix your life. He does care. You are invited to the table. You do matter. You matter. Here's a final question. Why did this, this woman risk so much to be at the feet of Jesus? Walk, running across town in the, in, the, in, the, in the day. Prostitutes don't run around town in the day. They're, it's a night job, okay? Walking into that room where maybe the people in the outer court propositioned her, could have propositioned her. Being mocked by the women who are, who are pulling their children back, saying, never be like that woman. In the broadness of day, walking into that, that scary Pharisee's house where she knew she would be judged and mocked. Why did she do this? It's a hard question to answer, but I believe this. It's because she knew and believed the message when Jesus said, come to all to me who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, which she heard about that day. If you look at the scripture, she heard that message was proclaimed that day, and I believe, can't prove it, but she knew this man could forgive every sin that she'd ever committed. And here's something very simple I want you to get, and then we're going to get ready to close this message. Having her sins exposed and being told she's a sinner is not what saved her. Being shamed because of her sins. Guys, listen, I've done this. I've done it. I've had to forgive my children before of shaming them. Shame did not save her. Being pointed out what a sinful lifestyle she had did not save her. Slamming her for her painful past is not what saved her. What was it that changed her? It was the invitation to know the Son of God, to experience his grace, his love, his freedom, his forgiveness. Because we need to remember, church, and I'm talking to the church today, we're, if you're born again, you're one. Now, you still, this is for you just as much because you need to know, hear this message because we all deal with our past. We're constantly working out our salvation. We're saved, but we're working it through. But Jesus came not for the healthy. His words, he came for the sick to bind the brokenhearted. And so friends, that's what we need our mission to be. And I want to tell you one last thing this morning. When you come to Jesus, even Christians, as you're working through this, and I know some of you, this is hitting your hearts today because you feel as a Christian that shame. You've not forgiven yourself. And you feel uninvited. And remember, at the beginning of this message, you are invited. I want that burned into your souls and your hearts Teenagers, you're invited. Everybody. But here's my last thing I want to leave you with. When you come to the table, don't come alone. Don't come alone. I have a friend named Steve Gorecki. I love Steve. Some of you remember Steve. Steve was here last week. He's got a long story. Someday, men at our men's breakfast, I'll have him share his story, his testimony. He had an awful thing happen in his life. It was one of those moments where <clears throat> he never thought he would be in the place he was at. And Steve shares very upfront about this. Steve gave his life to Christ two years ago in January. But previous to that, when he was going through it, I knew him from work, and 
and um, he came to me at work one day in tears and confessed this ginormous thing that had happened in his life, something he never thought he'd do, and he had incredible loss in his life because of it. And again, this is spoken with permission. He's an amazing man. I love him. But as I was, I said, God, what do I tell Steve? And he just tell him how much I love him. In the midst of all that he had done, in the midst of all that, that stuff that had gone down, he needs to know one thing right now. He doesn't need to know he's a sinner. He knows he's a sinner. He needs to know that I love him. And that was the only message. And so I started to tell him that. I, he loves you, Steve. He loves you. And Steve said, how could he love me? I said, he does, Steve. And we had this hour dialogue and about the love of God and how no matter what, he loves him. His love's unconditional. It doesn't matter what he'd done. And so I knew it in my heart, even though there's days where I would, God, do you really love me? I'm still working on that uninvited thing. But, I, but at the same time, I don't want to not invite others to the table while I'm still working that through myself. Otherwise, I'll never get there, right? But I told him he loves you, and he goes, I need to take a walk. And so Steve went on a walk. It was, it was getting dark, and he's walking down the road, and he's going, God, you, how is this that you love me? Is this even possible? And he's going back in the shame. And, but, you know, Jason says you love me, and in the Bible's verses say you love me, but how could you love me? He's walking along down the dark street, and he comes upon this, he just saw a little blink in the darkness on the ground. I thought, that's weird. He picked it up. I looked for this picture too. I got a picture of it. And it was this gold key ring, kind of a you know, rectangular gold key ring. And you could see it was blinking. And he's like, what? oh, it was blinking on the backside. It was a gold-rimmed key ring that someone had dropped. No keys on it. He flips it over. And the LCD screen, it's a big LCD screen. And it's just blinking over and over and over. Three words. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. He came back, called me in tears and in shock. He goes, Jason, I think God might be trying to tell me something. <laughs> Isaiah 52.7 says this. Derek, you can come on up. Isaiah 52.7 says this. Oh, I love this. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him or her who brings good news. Good news of happiness, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Let me apply this in a way maybe you've never thought of before, or maybe you have. Remember, you're invited to the table. Everyone say, I'm invited. invited. You are invited. Doesn't matter what you've done, you're invited. You've got to leave today and know that. In the name of Jesus, you're invited. Christian, you're invited. Non-Christian, pre-Christian, struggling with where your faith is, you are invited. But here's the other thing. Know you're invited and know that God doesn't want you to come alone. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Listen, the world has mountains of despair. The world has mountains of sin. The world has mountains of, like this woman had a mountain And who could do it? Who could overcome that mountain? The world, simple concept, needs you, believer, to believe that you're invited, but not to come to the table alone. Um, I think it's Mark as well. It talks about that party where Jesus invited people. He taught the parable about how, go out and invite people to my party, my wedding feast, and get, how many people came with the first invitation? 
Nobody came. So he said, go out to the lame, the crippled, the, the poor in spirit, and invite them to my table. Invite them to my party. The world needs you, believer, to know that you're invited. And he needs you to take your good feet and scale the mountain of hurt and pain in someone's life and proclaim in the midst of their mountain and their pain, their mountain of bitterness, their mountain of, of regret, and say, I got good news for you. There's salvation that you can have. And guess what? This mountain experience, this bad mountain that you're on, that you piled up, there's a God who reigns over it. How lovely are the mountains of him or her who proclaim good news. Amen? Everyone say, I'm invited. Everyone say, and I'm not going to come alone anymore. I'm going to bring people with me. I'm going to go out there and bring people in. Amen? Let's pray. I'm going to make this real simple this morning. How many of you would say that you're a faithful follower of Christ? But there might be one person, maybe many people in my life that are like this woman, maybe not a prostitute, but someone that's hurting, someone that's uninvited, someone that's in despair, someone that's been cast out, someone that needs the grace of God. They need to experience the grace of God. And they are in your path. You know this person. You know they need Jesus. And you would say, God, I want you to get me past my fear. I need your help. But God, I want to lift my hand right now and say, I want to pray, God, and be a part of helping this person hear about your good news. I want to walk up on their mountain and proclaim good news of your salvation and that you can turn their life around. Lift your hand right now. If you've got someone you know you can reach out to, be in faith here. Think about it for a sec. Is there anybody here that knows somebody that needs Jesus? Raise your hand up. A lot of hands. Listen, I'm going to challenge you, church. You can put your hands down. If you feel like, Jason, I don't have anyone in my life right now, pray that God brings someone to you that you can proclaim the good news and he will take away your fear to do that or he'll work with you in your fear. And one other question this morning. You're a believer or you're an unbeliever? And, and you would say, Jason, there is a guilt about my life. Maybe it's not big, maybe it's huge, maybe it's small, but you've struggled with this. You've, there's a guiltiness of, and it's caused you to think, I'm not invited because of past sin, because of, of past poor decisions, even current sin or current poor decisions, even a habitual sin or just a resistance. And you would say, Jesus, I need to know and I want to settle it in my heart at this moment that I, that you have overcome those sins, God, that I am washed as white as snow. God, that, that my life matters, that I am invited to your table, and I don't want to receive those lies of the enemy anymore in my life. If that's you, just raise your hand this morning. I've been dealing with that, Jason. A lot of hands. Anyone else? I've been dealing with that. So, Father, I just pray right now for every person in this room that they would know beyond the shadow of a doubt this morning that they are invited to the table, God, that you love them, that you're for them. If you are for them, who can be against them? That they matter in this kingdom. God, that there's, if they're not at the table with you, then there's an empty chair that you long for them to fill. Whatever sin you've committed, 
there is grace enough in God to forgive you and set you free. And I believe God, Christian, is telling you today, leave those sins behind. Receive my healing. Sit down at my table and enjoy the beauty of the relationship I have for you. Your sins are gone, though they were as scarlet. Just like this prostitute, he speaks to you, you are cleansed, you are washed white as snow. Now come to my table, eat of my table, and enjoy the riches of the life I want to give you. If you've not given your life to Jesus, I'm going to, and, and you'd say, Jason, I, I don't, I feel stirred. I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I'm not going to do it right now, but I'm going to be here for the next five minutes up front. I'm not leaving. I want you to come to me, and I want you to say, Jason, I need you to pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus this morning. I'll pray for you, and I'll lead you in that prayer, and your life will change for eternity. God bless you guys. Everyone stand up. Let's leave with a song this morning.